the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. We start with Carol Markowitz, who is joining us. Uh, She writes for the New York Post every week, sometimes a couple of times. Uh, Sometimes she gets bumped for other things, but I am so glad that she is there. She's a voice that has been fighting for New York moms and school families every single day during this pandemic, and today is no exception. She's also taken on the governor in pretty hard fashion on a number of issues. And, Carol, today there is uh, additional reason to be concerned about uh, Andrew Cuomo and what he's doing and what's going on because now in the last uh, 48 hours we've had yet a third victim come forward and say that not within days or weeks of working with him, literally within seconds of meeting him, he had his hands on her and made her feel uncomfortable. And there were things about it that were just very icky all the way around. And this happens to have been photographed and has been floating around social media all morning. Uh, What kind of trouble should Andrew Cuomo be in? Is he actually in trouble? And will there be any consequence to his actions? Right. You know, I I wish that the conversation that we were all having um, is would be about the nursing home deaths that he covered up. And I wish that that would be what he was getting in trouble for, because I think that's really the huge, huge elephant in the room that um, is not being ignored. I know you're all over it. I know conservative media is all over it. But look, I, it seems a little suspect that all the, the mainstream media outlets have moved on to this new uh, sexual harassment topic, which I'm pretty confident he's going to recover from and move on and probably get a fourth term in New York. Oh. So, uh, you know, I think that it's a little suspicious to me that um, suddenly the the you know the fawning has stopped and they finally want to cover something, but it's not the nursing home death cover up. Well, and just for everyone's sake that's listening, uh, just just compare it to this: uh, the number of people that we know that died uh, from his uh, planned uh, goal of sticking COVID positive patients into nursing homes is somewhere between mm-hmm. fifteen and sixteen thousand people. That's roughly eight times the number of people that died on nine eleven. And then those are the ones that we can, you know, strictly attribute to his policy. There were other people that died that may or may not have been impacted by decisions that he made. We're not even including any of those. We're just talking about just the nursing homes. And, yeah, I agree with you. That is significantly more important than the three women that have been mistreated. And yet at the same time, I think it helps explain a lot about this governor. He just doesn't feel like there's any accountability for his actions almost ever. That's right. Absolutely. And I think he's had even less accountability during this crisis because he was foisted on the pedestal by the media as a COVID hero. Um, And I think we're seeing the results of that. You know, um, New York had more deaths per capita than any other state in the country. New York, New Jersey kind of swapped first place uh, on that. 
and it really wasn't the success story that it was painted in the media. He wrote a book and made himself a poster in the, during the summer when numbers were low, and that numbers went higher than ever in the fall and winter in New York. So yeah. what did we win? What did we win by the, the lockdowns that he pushed and the, the businesses that he destroyed? And yet he was somehow the hero until we discovered that he's not just abusive to media or political opponents or um, victims' families like Janice Dean, but actually sexually abusive to his employees. Nobody's surprised by that. Absolutely nobody. Well, and let me ask you this. Uh, Letitia James was the first person, the New York Attorney General, she was the first person to come forward and say his numbers were officially wrong. And she kind of, it was it was actually her breaking from the Democrat pack that actually began to have, uh, you know, awareness raised. And eventually his office was forced to confront and admit that they had fudged the numbers. Now she has basically gotten him to relinquish all rights on who she names as an investigator into. I mean, come on, Carol, how, how classic right. Cuomo was this over the weekend? He's like, let me let me appoint my own investigator. And right. like, Good no, we're not that. buying yeah. that. But how do you uh-huh. think she's going to do you think she's going to remain independent and kind of pursue an actual line of justice on these two very important issues? I do think so. Um, I think she's got her eye on his job, and I think there's a very good chance that we will see uh, a Governor James in the next few years. Um, I am generally not a fan, but uh, she's doing the right thing here, and she's pursuing him uh, pretty hard. And I I think that that's like, you know, you said um, he admitted that they fudged the numbers. They actually have not admitted that. They only admitted that to fellow Democrats. They have not come out and said it yet. To the That's public, true. they have not apologized for anybody, um, for any of the deaths. They have not done any of that. So um, I, I would like to see resolution on all of that. And I, I don't. And I'm not positive that we will. But you know, if, if these sexual harassment allegations do anything, I hope that they really expose the kind of person he is and the kind of person that we've been taught to idolize in the last year for no reason. So it eventually it, took. That would be it, positive. it eventually took IRS tax records to get Al Capone. Maybe it's going to be yeah. the uh, sex, sexual <laughs> harassment stuff that brings down uh, uh, the, uh, the the older brother of Fredo. But one way or the other, we're going to get to uh, the bottom of it. Hey, let me ask you about yeah. the uh, the teachers' unions and schools and openings. Now, we just got word in our in our district this week that K and first grade are going to go to five day a week, uh, half day, full half days, eight to eight to noon each day. Uh, starting later this month. That's mm-hmm. a huge, huge improvement for families in our district. But um, the the unions have been okay. very effective in pushing back and saying, no, we're not going to teach until we get vaccinated. Your reaction? Yeah. Um, I oppose that completely. And I think the 8 to 12 is nonsense. I'm sorry. I, I feel like I... I'm a broken record on this, but we we can't we have to stop accepting stuff like this. Eight to twelve is not a school day; um, it's you know a half day. <laughs> and so why are why are our kids going to school half a day? I, I also can't paint the picture for people um, the kind of educational gulf we're going to have between kids who went to school sometime these eight to twelve or maybe two days a week or whatever versus the kids who went five days full time um, I, it is going to be enormous and I don't know if we're ever going to get over it um, and yeah I, I'm full time or bust is sort of my feeling on it and I we're seeing parents exit these public school systems that are not providing it and i wonder if that will at least hasten the school choice movement in a lot of states i hope that we move to a voucher system because parents 
will say, I, I, our kids deserve a full-time education. Our public schools are not providing it. I deserve to take that money that would have been spent on my child and spend it elsewhere. That's that's a great suggestion, and I am very much in favor of vouchers and have been for a very long time. I think it could be a key to really giving even inner-city families much better educational options. Carol Markowitz, always appreciate your insights. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Carol Platt-Lebow of Yankee Institute for townhall.com. Matt Meyer is president of the Berkeley Federation of Teachers, a union leading the effort to keep children at home, insisting that reopening schools is just too unsafe. So jaws dropped when video of him was seen taking his own daughter to in-person preschool. The episode highlights the hypocrisy and cynicism evident in too much COVID policy, especially in education. School districts with strong teachers unions are less likely to hold in-person classes. Meanwhile, our children remain trapped at home, suffering from social isolation and learning loss. The achievement gap has increased, and there's a worsening youth mental health crisis. Parents have stood by helplessly at the mercy of the unions, even as the CDC admits that schools can reopen safely. In-person learning shouldn't be reserved for children of the privileged. Our kids deserve policies that put their rightful needs over the self-serving demands of union elites. I'm Carol Platt-Lebow. 